So here's my like power play to every person out there. People are going to tell you like, oh, well, like, where do you have the experience to create this company and this brand? It's like you create that experience. Like fast forward. There's nothing I can't learn. There's nothing I can't teach myself. There's nothing, no information I can't reach out to my network to get. And Wander Beauty has been in existence four years. We've won over 19 beauty awards. Hey guys, welcome to Active Ingredient, the podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I'll be taking a deep dive into why people do what they do and what it is that drives them. I believe every single person has an active ingredient to them, aka a purpose, and all we have to do is uncover what that is and activate it. I'm looking at people across the board with fancy titles like editors and chiefs, founders and CEOs, to under the radar activists who are changing the world one person at a time. I want to get to the bottom of how they first discovered their passion, how they channel their talent consistently, and ultimately how their active ingredient is making the world a better place. Today's episode is with Divya Gugnani. Divya is a serial entrepreneur, mom of two, and co-founder and CEO of the buzzed about beauty brand, Wander Beauty, a company focused on multitasking beauty essentials. On today's episode, Divya gets into what she was like as a kid, the importance of establishing strong company culture no matter the size, how she made the jump from investment banking to starting her first company in the culinary world, how that led her to start her second company, and how that company ultimately led her to start Wander Beauty. Divya is one of the most energetic people I've ever met, and on today's episode, she let me know that she does not drink coffee or tea, and I just really couldn't believe it because the energy is definitely palpable. We get into meditation and how she started practicing in the seventh grade, and how that is literally what energizes her every single day without doubt. With that, let's get into today's episode with Divya Gugnani. So we are here with Divya Gugnani, the co-founder of Wander Beauty. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So for our listeners who don't know about Wander Beauty, can you give us just a quick brief background on what the company is and what products you guys have? Wander Beauty is all about the modern woman, the you, the me, the person who got up this morning and came to this podcast, you know, took the six train from the Upper East Side to get Mm -hmm. here. And I sit on the train, I put on my under eye concealer and I look around and everyone else is doing what I call beauty beyond the bathroom. And that's really what Wander Beauty is. It's about the modern woman who's time-starved, on the go, traveling, going to the gym, going to work, you know, exploring. And she is being told by the beauty industry that she needs to have a million steps and a million products. And the reality is she doesn't. So Wander Beauty is all about streamlining your beauty routine. It's about less is more. It's about beauty beyond the bathroom. And we give you fewer, better beauty essentials to keep you gorgeous on the go. Amazing. Well, I'm going to come back to Wander, but I want to take it back to your childhood because you're a very energetic person. I can tell. (laughs) Uh, Energetic without coffee. (laughs) No coffee? No coffee, no tea. You never drink coffee or tea? Zero. How? Negative. (laughs) I like coffee ice cream though. (laughs) I don't know why, but I do. So I just kind of want to get a background on what your parents would say about you and like how you were as a kid, just because like, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs, their childhood translates a lot into what they're like now. So I was definitely a hyperactive kid. I was like, bouncing around with so much energy. My Mm -hmm. parents found it hard to keep up and I was like super involved in a lot of stuff. So 
I was captain of the track team. I was co-captain of the debate team. Like I like to do a lot of stuff and I needed a lot of outlets to kind of deal with all my energy. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of me as a kid. As an entrepreneur, though, I would say I wasn't your quintessential entrepreneurial kid. Like, you know, the entrepreneurial kid who was like, Hustling people at four. Yeah. Like my son like yeah. is seven and is like trying to bet people like on lemonade stand. Yeah, <laughs> like he is like trying. He's like, but mom, like who doesn't like money and who doesn't like like betting and making money and playing people and like beating people? Like I was never that person. I was never about like trying to beat someone else. I was always the kind of person who was always focused on their personal best. So as an athlete who ran track and as an athlete who swam competitively, there are two kinds of swimmers, right? They're the swimmers who are going down the lane who are looking right and left and are constantly trying to like size their competition. I'm the opposite. I'm looking forward all the time and I'm like, I want to beat my personal best. So I think that's the kind of entrepreneur I've always been. And it's just a little different than the quintessential entrepreneurial journey. I do think that that's a longer game. I yeah. feel like the the competitive looking to the sides of the swimming lane, like that's just short-sighted, I guess. Yeah. And I just feel like, you know, I was never trying to hustle people for money. I was never trying to make a quick buck here or there. I was all about like, there's a problem in my life. Like, how can I create a solution yeah. to do something innovative, different? I'm more of like the creation, ideation, innovation side of entrepreneurship, as opposed to like, oh my God, I have to like make money. So speaking of money, yes. you were in investment <laughs> banking. Yes, you had a lot of financial roles. What was it about those type of jobs that drew you in? You know, I love data analysis and quant stuff and numbers and Excel is my best friend. And so yeah, we're different people. <laughs> yeah. I just, I always like that stuff. It's like, you know, it's so interesting when I would have conversations with my parents and I would disagree with them on something. I would always like try and find research and find like the facts and the information to support my case. This is why my parents thought I was going to be a lawyer and not an <laughs> entrepreneur. Um, so I really feel like when I graduated college, I never thought I would go into investment banking. I'd studied policy analysis, which was a mix of government and economics. So one would think that I would just go into like law school, do something in public policy, something like that. But I was dating someone who was in investment banking and I saw this like fabulous life that he was living. I was like, he's working a million hours and sleeping under his desk and, you know, going to all these incredible meetings and meeting like global CEOs and flying in private jets. I'm like, this sounds glamorous. Like, I want to try this. Believe me, it is not glamorous. I slept under a, get, under a desk and like, you know, worked a million hours. I Which really, is what you wanted. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. Like, you know, a lot of my friends who are in my analyst class, we had a lot of people leave in those two years at Goldman Sachs because people didn't like the environment or they felt like it was too much of a pressure cooker or they were working too many hours. I actually thrived on all of that. Yeah. And I wanted to be on as many live deals as possible because I wanted to learn as much as I could. And so I thrived in that environment. I enjoyed it. I don't look back at those years and say, oh, I wasted that time or... You know, yeah. that blood, sweat and tears, I think, taught me a lot. And what I think was most important about my time at Goldman Sachs was not the financial knowledge that I picked up, but rather the culture. The culture at Goldman Sachs was so special. It was really bright, really hardworking people who were very results driven and achievement driven. And one thing they really drilled into us is there's no I in Goldman Sachs. And so this concept and of 
and culture of teamwork was so big there. And I feel like that's kind of carried with me as I've started my own businesses. Yeah, I, I've researched a little bit about what you talk about on podcasts and just on interviews. And I feel like culture is a huge thing. Huge. What, um, what piece of advice would you give someone who's starting a company on how to instill that from the beginning when you feel like you're doing it all, but also want to instill a company culture? And how did you do it with Wander Beauty? Like translate those things that you learned from Goldman Sachs into what you do and what you would tell someone who's starting. So when I you're starting your own business, the world's your oyster mm-hmm. and the culture is really yours to create and it's an open slate, like clean slate and an open book. And I think that it's important to prioritize what's important to you as a human and what you're trying to achieve with your business. So if you're really mission driven, you're going to really focus on the mission and have people believe into that. I think as uh, an entrepreneur, having a certain vision for your brand and what you want it to be mm-hmm. and really living that vision and enlisting a team to make that vision a reality is important. For me personally, I think um, a culture of openness and transparency is super important. Yeah. So like 360, like we're very candid about how we're doing performance wise, celebrating the wins, being excited about them, being candid about areas where we've made missteps or we've, you know, been rejected and need to redirect. So I think that a lot of that is just the culture of openness and transparency, teamwork, respect, humility. You have to live all of these things yeah. in order to actually have them breathe throughout your team. So when there's behavior that falls from outside the bounds of what you consider really core to your culture, you actually need to deal with that. So you can't just be like, oh, I want to create this amazing culture and some people are going to fall into it. Some people are not. When people fall into it, then you reward that behavior and that becomes an example for more people to strive towards. And if they fall without those bounds, like outside of them, then you really have to kind of say, hey, listen, this is really not what's acceptable and okay for us here. I think you have to be on both sides of that. So when you started Wander, did you sit down by yourself and say, these are the five things that are non-negotiable culture? Yeah, my co-founder Lindsay and I spent a lot of time thinking about this together. And I think that between the two of us, there's a lot of communication. Mm -hmm. So we have a culture of communication. We almost over-communicate. We have a master chat on WhatsApp for our team. Every time there's a win, today we just launched... Um, Derm store. So that was announced on the master chat, like, you know, amazing product placement and incredible influencers, celebrities like using our brand. So we're always celebrating those moments together as a team and being open and talking about them. Um, and also when they're challenges, it's the same thing. So I just feel like that's, you know, Lindsay and I sat down, we're like, respect is really important to us. Humility, teamwork, like these are really core values that we care about. And this is something that we care about. In fact, in every offer letter that people get, our values are in the offer letter. I love that. I'm going to copy that. I love that. Um, So taking it back to your time at Goldman, what was the jump? Your first, your first job was your, your first solo job was with the culinary project, right? Yeah. So I actually, uh, my first entrepreneurial experience was starting an auto parts company with someone I was dating, which mm. um, was an interesting story. But my first solo project as an entrepreneur by myself, um, and I didn't have a co-founder, was Behind the Burner, which was a media property that was focused on tips, tricks, and techniques for food, wine, mixology, nutrition. I used to host a short-form show on NBC, NBC Local, so New York, Boston, Dallas, San Diego, like all the markets. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I loved being in my creative element of like, mixing drinks and making food, which is all stuff that you see on my Instagram because I'm really (laughs) passionate about it and love to do it in my own home. I think that it was bold of me to think that I could make a career out of it. And I think I was behind, like I was before my time. The whole concept of like food influencer, food content, media property, like 
it was a little early for when I did it. And I think most importantly, um, I had a revenue model that was flawed. So when you're learning, you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to take advertorial revenue. So a liquor brand, a food brand, they would all sponsor us. Mm-hmm. And when they would sponsor us, we'd have a great check that would be make us profitable. And but the it's team like coming and live. And it's like, and then you'd wait yeah. for the next one to come because it wouldn't come. And so that model was not scalable. Mm-hmm. And I think I learned from those challenges. Um, like I say, it's always like, it's not rejection, it's redirection. So mm-hmm. this concept of like, it didn't work. I just like morphed and changed. So I said to myself, hey, listen, I'm going to take, I love this business. I think it's super interesting, but I'm going to take the money that I have for this company and I'm going to pivot into to a scalable business model and launch Send the Trend, which was a fashion accessories and beauty private label subscription box. Which I and, want to get into, but I want to go back to when you yes. started. Uh, what was it behind the burner? Yes. Um, were you doing that on the side while you were at Goldman? Did you no, have savings? No, I was, I, um, had left my job at uh-huh. Pequot Ventures and it, Pequot became First Mark Capital. So I was a venture capitalist. I had been investing in startups. I really enjoyed it. I worked at this incredible firm that had wonderful things to say about. They were very supportive because they knew I wanted to try my hand at being an entrepreneur. I also think in terms of being an investor, when I look at the most successful venture capitalists, private equity investors, a lot of them have operating experience. They've had an opportunity to operate a business. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to take that chance to operate a business. So I left. I was became an entrepreneur in residence for them for a while, and I got on my feet, and I just did it. So smart. That's great. So you did have savings. Um, I had savings, and I had um, actually... I had done quite well with the auto parts business that I'd done before. And so that became the nest egg to start. Okay, got it. So you pivoted behind the burner to send the trend? Yes. Talk to me about Send the Trend. What was it and how long were you operating that business for? So we launched it in the fall of 2010. Mm -hmm. Um, It was super exciting. What was really interesting is that we really invested in technology and Mm -hmm. that was very important in differentiating us in the market. We built a proprietary recommendation technology um, around, you know, shopping. So if you were in Minneapolis and it was raining that day, we would show you umbrellas. And if you were in San Diego and it was sunny that day, we'd be showing you sunglasses. So we had this ability to target users and collect data points on the site that targeted you based on your geolocation, on the weather patterns, on like if you bought a rose gold ring, we showed you rose gold earrings the next time you logged into the site. So we collected millions of data points a week and we actually had our in-house own technology team, which I think was really a differentiating factor and creating the user experience of shopping at Send the Trend. So we raised venture money for it, and we sold the company 11 months later to QVC, which is crazy. It was a so what's check. what's like the interest in in selling the company at that stage? Like if that's your passion project and something you yeah. love, like do you it struggle just, with that? Or it, I definitely struggled with it, but it was just it was a no brainer at that point. Yeah. We were growing incredibly rapidly. It was the choice of take more money to fuel the growth and grow the business, or partner with a strategic and create a much larger enterprise and endeavor. Mm-hmm. And so that was a no brainer at that time because it was the right decision for the team and the business and the investors. Um, and I really enjoyed working at QVC for two and a half years. I worked in digital innovation there. I worked directly for the CEO when I first started. So that was What does incredible. digital innovation at QVC look like? Um, it looks like it's a big, big, big organization and trying to move mountains. It's about, you know, redoing emails and creating them more stylistically around behavior 
and shopping patterns and taking data points and doing a lot of the stuff that I did at Send the Trend, mm-hmm. but on a much larger scale. It was about infusing culture and pop culture and fashion and style and beauty into a brand that had been so focused on value. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of that. It was about exploring new digital avenues. So having more of a YouTube strategy and thinking more about social media. So it was exciting, I would say, um, and a lot of fun. And I learned a lot. I particularly learned a lot about the beauty business because the beauty business was growing rapidly at QVC when I was there. So it was a great opportunity to really learn um, more about that. So then came Wander Beauty. Yes. What, how did that look like? Were you at QVC or were I you? I was at QVC. Okay. I had two children. I just had my daughter. I was, I had been traveling back and forth to Westchester, Pennsylvania mm-hmm. from New York City. I live in New York City. Um, so it was a lot of travel. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of hours. Um, and I really had reached a point in my career where I was just itching to go back to the entrepreneurial side of things. I think that I got to do a lot of entrepreneurial things within a large organization. I launched the first digital magazine. It did a lot of projects there that were exciting and innovative, but that passion and that excitement of creating your own brand, Mm -hmm. it's something that high cannot be replaced by any corporate job, I think, I have to say. So I was itching to start something on my own. I didn't know what. I was going through a big transition in my personal life from having two children, working, becoming a career mom. I was like, a hot minute before that, I was single and working a million hours. And like, <laughs> my life was just so different. I used to like watch Bravo all Saturday and be like laying in my bed in a coma. Oh um, my God. And I was like waking up at godly hours with two children <laughs> spitting up all over me. So it was just really like, I just went through a lot personally. Yeah. And so my life changed so much and my beauty routine changed so much. So like, I've always been one to really care about taking care of my skin, mm-hmm. culinary background, Raiding the fridge to create my own face masks. Um, in college, in my sorority, I used to always like do makeup for, for formals, myself, my friends. So I just like really loved beauty. But beauty became so functional for me when I became a career mom. It just it went from being this like luxurious pamper self care time to like I have ten seconds to get myself together. I have three minutes. I have two minutes. Like what can I do? And I my I was my life in my bathroom was just catered to that like glam time. I had like 20 million brushes, 20 million powders. And the reality is like the modern woman today like doesn't use any of that and doesn't have time for it. Like on a Saturday night when I'm going out somewhere wonderful with my husband, mm-hmm. I'll spend like the time to make yeah. myself feel so extra. And I really enjoy it, but it just doesn't happen on a daily basis. And so I really realized the beauty model was broken for the woman who has to spend 15 minutes on her beauty routine and move on. And the woman who's like constantly like me, like traveling, like I'm going from, you know, taking my kids to activities on the weekends to going to to work during the day. And by the way, struggling to lose the baby weight, which fast forward five years later is still attached to my body. So, you know, and then I'm just like, I'm going to the gym. I'm doing my skincare at the gym. Like my life and my routine had changed so much. And I looked around at other people around me and they were going through the same thing, yet there was no brand kind of speaking to us. All of us were living our lives in motion every day, yet there was no brand that was focused on beauty in motion. And so this concept of like being gorgeous on the go and having fewer, better beauty essentials, things that are multitaskers, multi-use formulas, multi-use you know, ingredients, and just going through pregnancy two times and that the hell your body goes through, like I really just can't explain enough. It really is transformation. <laughs> you're creating person, right? So like you're going through all this stuff and then you're ingesting all these chemicals 
with your beauty products and you don't even realize it until you go through pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to be ingesting all these chemicals. So the heightened awareness around what is clean, really moving to products that were free of parabens, free of mineral oil, free of synthetic fragrance, free of phthalates. So Wander Beauty came from a very conscious place. Mm -hmm. So not natural, not organic. I need performance. I need to put something on my face and have it last till I get home at night and take it off. So our brand was all about, you know, not being a color brand, not being a skin brand, hair brand, nail brand, servicing the modern woman, owning her entire beauty routine and giving her fewer, better beauty essentials, really innovative, innovative formulas, innovative packaging, innovative delivery systems, all better for you. That's why the better is the clean piece. So how does one go from thinking about this idea and seeing, being on the subway, seeing the woman doing all these steps on makeup to actually taking the first step into formulating? Like, did you have any background formulating? I did. I actually spent some time at QVC formulating a skincare brand. So I had a lot of experience kind of understanding ingredients, textures, slip. I'd worked with some chemists. So I would say that I had a few years of experience. I would say by no means was I an expert and I figured it all out along the way. So Here's my like power play to every person out there. People are going to tell you like, oh, well, like, where do you have the experience to create this company and this brand? It's like you create that experience. Like fast forward. There's nothing I can't learn. There's nothing I can't teach myself. There's nothing, no information I can't reach out to my network to get. And Wander Beauty has been in existence four years. We've won over 19 beauty awards and we've created award-winning formulas. And at the helm of our product development organization is myself and my co-founder who started this and learned it ourselves from the beginning. So along the way, we've you know brought people onto the team who really added value. But the reality is that we've actually taught and trained those people and they came from you know no background and no experience. So it's been really amazing for all of us to work really hard together and figure it out. So how long from when you had the idea to when you launched the product? It was quite a while because we wanted to get it right. When we were going to launch our brand, we wanted to launch with one thing. So mm -hmm. we launched with the On The Glow Blush and Illuminator, which is pretty much sold out everywhere right now. We won an Allure Best of Beauty Award for it. Congrats. It's that's, basically, a, that's a big deal. Yeah, it's, a, it's in a look and a stick. So it's got a lip and cheek formula on one side, a nude glow illuminator on the other side. So think of it as like replacing your lipstick, replacing your blush, replacing your cream eyeshadow and your it's highlighter. Genius. It's like... You know, five products in one. It's one stick. You can take it with you anywhere. You can take it away on a weekend. You can take it desk to dinner. You know, all of these things. It just, it travels so easily with mm -hmm. you and it's so easy to apply on the go. Um, and so that's when a lot of, a lot of work went into creating that. We really thought about women of different ethnicities, women of different skin tones, thought about their experience, um, thought about age groups and really just created very flattering formulas that were universal and that came from a lot of testing and I always feel like when you use cream formulas they just do they look more natural and you get that kind of natural flush as if you were 16 and you have beautiful like pink cheeks mm -hmm. like when you use a lot of powders it powders kind of tack on to texture in your skin and so they accentuate they like texture. You out, yeah. yeah, they accentuate texture. They make you a little older. So like look a little older and mm -hmm. a little younger. And like I'm all on the moving in like the reverse direction. Like give me the retinoid. <laughs> like let me Asian reverse and let me, you know, use cream formulas 100%. to like really just bring back the youth. So I, I think totally. that all matters. And it doesn't matter whether you're 15 or you're 50. It's irrelevant. You still want to look your best. That dewy glowy yeah. self of course I'm and that's our that every single day yeah and that's our love
So the whole point of my podcast is to kind of encourage someone who doesn't even know the first step. That's why I asked specific questions on like, what was that first step to formulating or whatever? Like you talked about your network, like I'm sure that that played a huge role in getting you to that first product. What would you say your active ingredient, the name of the podcast is active ingredient, which is like your purpose, which I think the best brands run off of that purpose. And I can tell by the way that you're speaking about it, that you really are just trying to solve a problem for the modern woman. Like, what would you say is your why for the days that you just don't want to get to the fucking office and you just don't want to go? Like, what's your why with Wander? What's so interesting is like, it's personal. Mm -hmm. It relates to Wander, but it's my active ingredient is intellectual curiosity. I have always been an intellectually curious person, and I think that that fuels the most innovation in the market. The reason our brand has, you know, the reason we created New Delusion Foundation, and there are a million glass bottle foundations out there in the market, it's in a tube. Mm-hmm. It has a custom applicator. You can use it as a concealer, a foundation. It covers everything. It feels like nothing. The reason we're able to innovate in ingredients and formula and packaging and delivery system is from intellectual curiosity. It's actually testing boundaries it's about listening and you know really understanding community like if you're intellectually curious the most important thing to do when you're going to really innovate and create which is what fuels our brand we are innovative and creative is to listen and so a lot of it is just listening to the community and being like makeup artists who you know do glam for weddings would send us emails and say i can't take 30 bottles of glass like 30 glass bottles of foundation i have to depot everything it's such a pain in the butt like I want to be able to just, uh, you know, give someone an application and have them take the product with them and, you know, do that. I had, we had so many gym goers and fitness lovers, Pilates, Soul Cycle, Barry's Bootcamp. Like I get ready at the gym. Like I want a little bit of coverage. I want it to be flexible and easy. I want to either be able to like do my whole face or just spot treat. And they want it in a tube and they want an applicator built in because they don't want to go to the gym and bring a cushion and bring a brush and like be fussy about it. So it was all about this woman that takes so many different forms, whether she's a makeup artist or she's, you know, a career um, professional, like office environment type person, or it's an outdoor enthusiast or it's a fitness person. Like we were able to formulate and create to solve all of those problems by listening to all these different to these different groups and really identifying their pain points and solving their problems. That's so incredible. And you've obviously had so much success with the company. When you won 19 beauty awards and when you just got into this point of success where every celebrity, every makeup artist, every influencer is wearing your product, what what's next? Like how do you even think about the next thing? Like what do you consider the next milestone or the next success point? The big milestones for us when I look ahead is building the community. Mm -hmm. We're growing rapidly. We're like, you know, 245,000 plus Instagram followers, all built naturally, organically. These are real people in the community who love our brand. They may be, you know, people walking down the street in New York City, all across the world. Um, Our brand is a global brand. So I think we have our work cut out for us there in terms of growth. Um, Right now, 90 plus percent of our business is domestic. And so we want to really expand into additional markets. Right now we're selling in Sephora, Hong Kong, Singapore, Philippines, Australia, New Zealand. We're going to be launching in Sephora, South Korea soon. So we're excited about that. Asia has really become a big hub for where Wander is growing. Um, and we really want to see that grow through. Uh, so building our community domestically, seeing a lot of international growth. And then for the consumer, really owning her beauty routine cross category. Right now we have a lot of offerings in color cosmetics, which like 
our complexion products and our mascaras are the most well-known. Unlashed Volume and Curl Mascara won four, four times Beauty Award winner. Mileheim Mascara, uh, another great formula. So we've, we've had a lot of strength in foundation and mascara um, and skincare. We've launched some incredible skincare innovations. Baggage Claim Gold Eye Masks, mm -hmm. which you've probably seen on Instagram. Yeah. Fastlane Instant Facial, which is really resurfaces your skin. Our new yeah. Do Not Disturb Overnight Concentrate. So we have some really innovate, incredible innovation in color and in skin. And now we're going to be launching to new categories in 2020 and really own her routine across everything she does in beauty. So that's where our work is laid so out So this might be a loaded question, but I'm yeah. asking just genuinely. Yeah. When your brand is to have multitaskers and to yes. really just kind of have the woman have one to three products, how how do you like think about coming out with new products or like new product SKUs? Like it's what's a very high bar, and we're always listening to the community and understanding what they want from us. So one of the things that we we went into skin because people asked us for skin. They're like, I love your foundation. My skin has never looked better because it's a treatment for your skin while it's giving you coverage. I love your mascara because it has vitamins A, C, and E, trehalose, which strengthens your elastic peach leaf extract, which conditions them. All of these global skin-loving ingredients are enriched in all of our color cosmetics, and it actually improves your lashes, improves your lips, improves your skin. So people came to us and said, do skin. Like, we really want great skin, and we trust you to make our lashes, our lips, and our skin look better. And so we went into skin because of that. And now we made one foray into a hair product, and it was really inspired by our community. People kept actually emailing us and telling us, Today, women are dyeing their hair more than ever, right? It's become a form of self-expression among teens, tweens, millennials, Gen Z. Like, you Everyone come, to, has our, come hair. to our office, <laughs> like gray, blue, pink, take your pick, take your color pick. We can pretty much show it to you. Someone mm -hmm. in the office has got it. Um, I will raise my hand to gray, but not by choice. <laughs> um, and starting to get there. So I'm struggling with that. So that's something that I need to start dyeing my hair and I've been resisting it vehemently. Um, <laughs> black mascara is often like used, I've heard. used as hair color in my house. No, I have a friend that's 28 and her, she's starting to get white hairs already and it's that quick little fix. With the, I just like don't even mascara. know what to do about myself. So <laughs> this is a problem I need to solve. So this idea of like people are really coloring their hair they want to wash it less because they want to preserve the amazing color in their hair. And so they're reaching for dry shampoos, but dry shampoos are awful for you, right? Because it's totally drying out your scalp. It's making your hair brittle. It's got alcohol. It's depleting the condition of your skin. So a skin in meaning your scalp and also your hair. And so we really innovated. We created something called a hair refresher. It's called extra mileage. So it gives you the extra mileage out of your blowout. Or if you wash your hair, you get that extra few days that you really want to get out of it. And it is, it's an instant clean cleansing solution. You can spray it at the gym, spray it at your desk, spray it when you're away on a weekend and you don't want to wash your hair. Um, and it refreshes your hair. It has silica powder, which absorbs excess oil from your scalp. Mm -hmm. So no more greasy scalp. And it has vitamins E and panthenol to enrich and help your scalp and your hair condition. So really, every so time smart. we think about, like, let's break through in this category. Let's do something really different. We know this is a pain point. Women are using dry shampoo. It's really bad for your hair. Let's create a hair refresher. And then we did that. And then we won a beauty award for it. So it's just like we're thinking about a problem with the community and have people test and try formulas and you know, we're not loading your scalp with yeah. alcohol. We'll give, we're giving you hair loving ingredients. So every time Wander Beauty is solving a problem, it's really like a treatment slash performance product. Yeah. Does every product have to solve more than one problem? 
I, I don't know if it's necessarily solving more than one problem. It's like if it's solving one problem, it's doing it in more than one way. It's treatment and coverage. Okay. It's treatment and like everything. Like do you sit there when you're formulating them and yeah. you're like, we have to make sure that this is like hitting three things at least to no. be considered like we, on the go or whatever? When we sit and formulate, we're like, are we truly solving a problem in someone's life? And by the way, what else are we doing for them? So like I have chronic dry lips, okay? I have autoimmune disease. I have thyroid issues. Your lips also have no sweat glands in them. So they're just naturally get drier quicker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I can't use liquid lipsticks ever. Like we don't even make a lip liquid lipstick. That would just like be crazy texture and I would have peely, peely disgusting lips. Mm -hmm. So we created Lip Retreat, which is an incredible, super popular, award-winning, fantastic formula. It's enriched with lip oils and it has pigment in it. And it feels so incredibly nourishing on, on the lips. So you get that kind of, youthful, shiny, glossy feeling, but at the same time, it's a treatment for your lips. It's really going to actually improve the condition of your lips. So every time we create a formula, we're like, okay, let's create a lip oil that's going to give you the shine of a gloss, but not the stickiness. So it can be that color performance product that people want to like, if they're wearing a matte lipstick, they want to touch a gloss or they just want a sheer hint of color on the weekend when they're running errands. It solves that problem, but at the same time, it's a true treatment. And we made a clear version that you can just apply on your lips and use overnight. So, so people smart. are using it for so many different reasons yeah. and have, you know, it just solves so many multiple problems. And it's also in a tube. So the formula stays really fresh. It's not, you know, in a hard stick yeah. and it doesn't melt. It really has this freshness factor to it. And it has a custom doe foot applicator inside it. So you don't need any applicators. You don't need, you know, to use a lip pencil or draw lines or use a brush. Like it's just, we're always thinking about every aspect yeah. of the user behavior and whenever we create formulas we actually have so many women test it we call them wander beauties um and they actually come back and tell us all the pain points of their testing process so they really live and breathe so with great. formulas we never put anything into production unless it's really been user tested very heavily so Amazing. We, we do that homework for you so cool well i love that tactic i feel like i'm definitely always looking for several things to tackle one problem you know um, so I, I, I'm curious to know you have two kids. Yes. Um, again, like the whole point of the podcast is to help people kind of get that first step into, into either leaving their job or starting something or going to a new job or whatever it is, like whatever their active ingredient is to go for it. But the biggest issue is like, how do you even identify what your active ingredient is? So like if your kids came to you and they're like, mom, I literally don't know what I, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what I like. I don't know what career path to go after. What would you, what's your piece of advice? Explore, explore shadow people. Even if you're 30. Yeah. Why not? Like, you know, I've made so many, listen, I had kids traditionally later than other people mm -hmm. did. Um, and that was fine for me. It was the time for me that it, it actually worked in my yeah. life. Um, and I don't regret it in any way, shape or form. I actually wish I'd had more, um, <laughs> but that would be very difficult um, considering my husband is just, you know, no, <laughs> the answer is no. Uh, so that's, that's a hard brick wall to penetrate. Yeah. I feel very strongly that learning, be curious and understand things that are out there. Like take a personal day from work and go shadow someone that you are inspired and admire. Reach out to them on LinkedIn and be like, can I have grab a 15 minute coffee with you. Can you tell me about your career? Can you tell me about the biggest challenges in your career? What do you do on a daily basis? What does a day look like for you? Network, meet people, talk to people, understand what's exciting about their job, understand the pain points and the challenges of their job. Understand if their job is all travel and that's not gonna work for you. 
So think about all the aspects of a career and a job before you just go in head first. Mm -hmm. um, entrepreneurship is a living, breathing organism. I, there's never a moment that I can rest or have a day off. That's somewhat self-inflicted because we run a very high growth company. Mm -hmm. If we wanted to grow 20 or 30% a year, I could probably take a vacation and not answer email. I, in the environment that I'm in at Wander Beauty and now- And that you're choosing. That I've chosen myself yeah. for the last four years, I can't do that. Yeah. And I enjoy that. And I don't look at that as a difficult thing. Like every day when I spend time with my family, I take a week off in the summer, I go to Europe with them. I'm enjoying all these incredible cultural experiences and I come home and I sit on my email, I look forward to it. I'm gonna be honest That's with you. I, you look, know you're I doing look forward something to right. it. I look forward to seeing what happened in the office yeah. during the day. I look forward to hearing about different things and making decisions and moving the ball forward. So I like to be involved and that's a choice. Right. And everyone's different and you know, different people need different types of downtime. So totally. go do, do you. So I actually, it was so funny when I got the email to interview you, it was the day that I had finished your podcast on Skinny Confidential. No way. It's so crazy. Like literally <laughs> I had just finished it and then in my inbox, it was like Wander Beauty. And I was like, wait, I'm, did I just make this up? Is Google listening to me? Is Siri? Like I, I was like, Siri this is, is so spying weird. on you. But um, I loved your interview and you did talk about meditation and yes. how it's a huge part of your life. You've been doing it since how old? Seventh grade. So I want to hear about what you would attribute your success to and if meditation is one of those Meditation things. is just important for me as a person. So I, like I said, don't really have a lot of downtime. Mm -hmm. I'm always on and that's the only time where I'm actually not on. So I'm not sleeping per se. Um, I'm just meditating. And so I practice transcendental meditation. I have a mantra. I had a Guruji. I learned in a meditation school. It was a Do mantras, practice. do they mean something? They do, and you, it's personal you to know? you. It's a, it's a sign to you, and it's for you, and it's not to be shared with anyone else. And it was, like, meant to make my consciousness and, like, the quiet in my life and my being happen. And so when I lay still and I repeat it over and over again to get into that meditative state, it actually just completely calms. Like, it's so interesting. I, I, I wish I could explain what it's like to meditate because it's not sleeping, but you feel a tremendous amount of power in your hands and you feel like an energy in your hands and your whole body is just quiet and it's just in a restful state. And I really like, I need that. I need that twice a day to just, I need that downtime. I need that quiet time for myself to make the whole rest of my day productive. It's, it's something very personal. It's not like an obligation. It's not like I feel like I have to do it. I just, I need it. Like it's like some people just like need coffee to wake up in the morning. Like I need to meditate to like move on with my day. Totally. I don't care if I'm getting late to go somewhere and I like wake up late or my alarm, like I missed it. Like I will meditate before I leave the house, period, the end. Have you instilled that with your kids? My kids are pretty young. So I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, five going on 15, by the way. <laughs> um, and I really hope that they, you know, are curious and want to learn about meditation and becomes a part of their practice. I haven't done anything with it yet, but they know like mommy meditates in the morning, meditates in the evening. And like, especially for like in a hotel room and I'm like, I have to meditate before I leave and be like, everyone has to be quiet because <laughs> mommy has to meditate before we Mommy's go gotta meditate. Before we go anywhere. <laughs> and they totally get it. Like they just respect it as my time. And they know that like I function and I interact with them after it's over. So I think they understand it, but not really but you haven't well. started and to like explain. Yeah, yeah. It's time. 
it, when it's the time is right and I feel like there's aptitude for it, I never want to like impose anything on my children. I feel like a lot of my parenting is exploration mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's a very different form of parenting than what I went through. I think that growing up in a traditional household where there was a lot of structure, I was so driven by that structure. And I actually feel like in order for kids to be very creative and to have different, like, you know, my son wants to do very different things. Like, I'm just like, that's great. Like, just do that. Like, yeah. that's, I actually celebrate that. Like, you don't have to just play the piano or play the violin. Like, totally. you don't have to just be good at math and be good at science. Yeah. Like, you can love a million, like, he loves history. And that's his favorite thing to, like, learn about and talk about. And that's wonderful. Like, and I celebrate that in him. So I just feel like, you know, I want them to find and explore many different things. And then whatever they gravitate towards, I want to celebrate that and encourage it. Yeah. I don't think <clears throat> I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. Like I do think yeah. that meditation kind of helps them flex that muscle. You know, yeah, of course. Like I, I I asked about your kids just because I I feel like I wish that I would have started meditating younger. Like a hundred percent. I think that kids are probably the people on this planet that are the most like stressed because they just right. don't know how to cope. You know, a hundred percent. And I see it so much. So my sister has two teenagers. My sister in law has a college student um, and a teenager. And I see how hard, like when I was growing up, there was no Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. And there was like none of that. There was no like social pressure that like, oh, five girls went out to get frozen yogurt today and I was not included. I was not invited. I can't this even imagine. Like, <laughs> this whole idea of like, you know, the inclusivity, the non-inclusivity, the mean girl thing, like, and even for boys and sports and performance and, you know, experimenting with drugs and alcohol and all this stuff happens. Like, let's just be real. It yeah. happens. And so just finding better coping mechanisms for kids. I think that we have to really think through that. And as a parent, I really feel like we have to be real about what's going on and not like, you know, sweep it under a rug because when you sweep it under a rug, it festers, it gets worse. Um, and so addressing issues and dealing with them up front, I think is a better approach. hundred percent. Understand the pain points of what your child's going through and totally and help them get through it. A hundred percent. So I also listened on your podcast that you continuously have itches to move out of New York, but there's something yes. that pulls you back in. And I struggle with that. I'm from Miami and I'm always constantly, oh we were talking God, about it earlier. I love yeah. Miami. I, I keep, I know you said you were like, I'm, let's move to Miami. I'm like, I'm girl, I'm literally with you. Like, let's move together. But I, 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 have a place I do struggle and I go there often. Oh, really? And I really love Miami. I don't know what it is about Miami that just like speaks to my soul. It's I just, just so it. chill. It's it's beautiful. The people are great. like yeah, people are like nicer. They're a little more aggressive, but they're like nice. I just I, I'm curious to know what it is that keeps pulling you back aside from it sounds like your husband really wants to stay here. It's really my husband. <laughs> I would just be totally candid. Like in life, all relationships are made based on the wants and desires of two people. Mm -hmm. Since the minute we met, I told him like when we have kids, like, I want to move out of Manhattan. I want to have a lawn. I want my kids to play baseball. I was in Little League. I swam. Like, I want to do all these great things. And we're like, let's have one kid. And then, like, we'll move out. And, like, if we have another, then we'll definitely move out. Or, like, when they're in preschool. And what really happened is, like, our careers are so New York-centric. I'm in an office every day in New York. Mm -hmm. And if I made that choice to move to the suburbs, that would be less time that I spend with my team more time I spend commuting and less time I spend with my kids. And so from a functional perspective, the fact that I live in the Upper East Side and I work in Midtown, I'm door to door 20 minutes away from my family. And if there's anything that goes wrong or happens, like I can be there in a flash and I can also spend the maximum amount of time 
engaging and interacting with my team. And I actually think that's really important. So I'm very much of the culture of being present and I come to work every single day. And that's important to me because I like that everyone is together and that the best idea generation, the best camaraderie, the best decisions get made when people are together and can have a voice and speak together, interact together. It's really hard when there's a lot of like remote stuff happening. Yeah. And if I chose to like commute all the time, potentially I would be remote more often. And like, I just think that it would not yield to the growth that we've had as an organization. So from a business perspective, I need to be in the office and being in Manhattan makes that a lot easier. Yeah. I also think my kids are flourishing and growing here and really love it. And so I think we have, we're lucky enough to have the best of both worlds. They spend the summers on Long Island. So they're out of the city and I work late every night during the summer and see them more on the weekends. Um, and we get to go to Miami when they have yeah. holidays and things like that. So we're kind of doing a little You're bit of, of everything. We're figuring it out. Yeah. It's not the most ideal situation, <laughs> but it's a situation that we just make work for us. Yeah. But my, my husband ass- doesn't want to live the city. Like he just I know, loves but I, I understand. Like my boyfriend doesn't want to live the city, leave the city either. And I think it's just opportunity wise. Like it's just when you're starting something, there's just yeah. more opportunity here. Period. And like and I just, talent. There's and a lot talent. of incredible talent in New York. And you know, people choose to live in the perimeter of the city, in the city, like that's their own choice. And I just think that you get really incredible talent in New York. And that's second to none. That is 100% true. So I always close out the show with asking, what is your literal active ingredient? I learned earlier, it is not coffee and it is not tea. So what's something that you need? It can be a beauty product. It can be meditation. It can be whatever that you literally need every single day to go about your day. That's a really good question. Um, I need laughter. My active ingredient is laughter because my days are so intense and they start early and they end late. So like I wake up in the morning and I'm like flooded with communication from overnight from Asia and like from Europe is, you know, up and running. And and in the evening I'm still dealing with Asia. Like I really just feel like my days are very intense, very busy managing, you know, my kids are doing swimming and my son's playing baseball and they're both playing tennis and they both have piano lessons. And so I have this whole career and then I have this whole career as being a mom, Mm -hmm. which is a whole separate full-time responsibility. Maybe even more. And I just feel like sometimes it gets so serious and it gets so like intense that what I really love and the reason I married my husband is like, he makes me laugh. And like, I need that levity. I need to like be constantly laughing and enjoying and not taking myself seriously because that's what makes me tick and grow and like makes all of this worth it. Like if you're not enjoying it and laughing through it, like you're just, what, why do it? Totally. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on. Where can everyone follow you? At D G U G N A N I. So at D Gugnani. Um, and then our work handle is at wander underscore beauty. Amazing. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Amazing. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please take a second to rate and review us. And for more inspiration and quotes from the episode, check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient.